Hey everyone, just a quick warning before we get into today's episode. During the discussion, we talk briefly on domestic violence and eating disorders, so please listen with care. Thank you. This is Healing Through Love. Hey everybody, welcome back to Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna and I'm just a 32-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. Very excited. Today, I have with me the lovely Roisin Birmingham. Um, Roisin is a soon-to-be domestic violence advocate with a city nonprofit. She's also a singer, songwriter, and dancer. Over the past year, she started stand-up comedy and acting with her first appearance in an off-Broadway play happening this spring. Congratulations. Roisin has a Master of Arts in Criminal Justice from John Jay, a Bachelor's in Music and Journalism from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She's, uh, she has three siblings um, who she loves dearly and a senior cat. Oh, what's your kitty's name? Gomez. I call him Gomi. <laughs> God, love that. I love that. Um, Rasheen, in her free time, she enjoys strength training, yoga, soccer, and running. She has run two marathons, which is incredible. Um, her favorite way to unwind is by hiking and being in nature. Rasheen, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good. Can you tell me a little bit? So like, how did you come to find healing through love? Um, yeah, I don't want to sound stalkerish, but I do follow you on Instagram. And um, <laughs> I saw that you had started a podcast and um, I just wanted to check it out. I have never listened to a podcast with that level of rawness and vulnerability. And I found the topic really interesting because I know people like talk about breakups, but as a whole topic and the journey of continuing to feel love and find love and express love through that was kind of like an amazing thing to put out. So I just started listening and I, I, I love it so far. I think it's great. Amazing. Thank you so much for your support. And I really appreciate like that um, that feedback that like, I try to be as honest as I can be. I sometimes it feels like cringy to me, obviously, but I'm so when you reached out, it, it just felt like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. And like other people are resonating with this. I felt like it was really important for me to just like be as truthfully and honest as I could be in telling my story because I could polish this up very nicely and very prettily, but like that wouldn't, I wouldn't really hit as as poignantly as I, I feel like it's been. So I really appreciate that feedback. And I'm so happy to that you were open to speaking with me today. Yeah, of um, course. Sorry. And I just want to say yeah. on that, I feel like anyone who's a creator of any type that does it from a place of authenticity is going to feel cringy because you're in the eye of the public or whoever's listening. Um, and although I reached out to support, like you never know truly how many people you're touching. So yeah, definitely don't feel bad about the the work and the art you're creating. Thank you. I love that like vote of confidence. I wish I had somebody like you in my corner when like I was first starting out in New York, like in, in acting and getting into the creative field. I I feel like this podcast was something that like I've wanted to do for a really long time. But that element of like, is it going to be too cringy? Am I like really doubting myself? That's what's prevented me. So I full heartedly agree. Like, just go for it. Put yourself out there. Be true to who you are. So thank you for, yeah, of course. for starting us off so strong. <laughs> I love it. Um, cool. So let's dive into it. Um, would love to just talk a little bit about how you were taught to love growing up. How were you loved by your caregivers? 
I had a really great childhood. I can't complain. I uh, did like violin and piano and both my parents are immigrants. So we'd visit their family in Ireland and Malta, like every summer respectively, um, you know, grew up in like upper middle-class house, had a big backyard. Um, it was really nice. Um, I would say it got a little more difficult I was, as I was entering middle and high school um, because <clears throat> I just had to like fulfill my needs emotionally a lot of the time. And a lot was put on me as the oldest daughter when my parents long drawn out separation was happening. So I'd say um, I kind of like took care of myself in that sense for years. And <laughs> I'm sure we'll touch on this, but I feel like that definitely feeds into like my outlook on dating now. But yeah. For sure. I, I'm also um, the older of my, of my, me, my younger brother. Um, and that dynamic, right? Like having to be the protector, the like looking out for, you know, your siblings, um, kind of putting your own needs on the back burner to make sure like this person is good. You get parentified early on and that does impact like your relationships down the line. Cause then I find that like, yeah, I, I tend to attract, um, men that I need to take care of. <laughs> and, you know, I put my needs on the back burner for them and all of that. But we can we can definitely get into that for yeah. sure. And I want to um, clarify, I'm the oldest daughter, but I am the second oldest. But it's like, because it. there's that element of, I don't know what to call it. And I don't want to mislabel it, but just like expecting women to carry emotional burdens of like everyone. Um, so like, yes. yeah, I think a, a far greater amount was placed on me. But um. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. You get parentified young and it uh, affects the future for sure. But I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I think that that's a great point too. And I, I that's something I, I want to do a little bit more of a deep dive episode on on those like gender norms or gender expectations, um, you know, specifically you know, in, in a heterosexual cisgender cult community, just the expectations that women have, like you just said, to just be that emotional carrier for not even just uh, uh, for men, but for like everybody in a household, um, everyone mm -hmm. in the family. So that's a great point for sure. Did you di did you recognize like early on those differences between maybe like how your brothers were treated or brother was treated versus versus, you know, the women in your family? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, I would say definitely more pronounced in like eighth grade throughout because I feel like I could just sort of wrap my head around it more and see how like my friends were being treated by their parents and just look at the discrepancy within my own family. And I'm not saying that my siblings didn't have a negative impact on what was going on, but I could definitely tell that I was privy to details, conversations like that were just not age appropriate and definitely not appropriate to be sharing with a daughter. So I could definitely recognize that because I just felt uncomfortable. And like, I feel like when you feel something in your chest and your heart and your soul, and you know it's wrong. You're you're usually right because it's your intuition, you know. Mm. Very hard to listen to that at, <laughs> at that age. That's impressive that you like had that. I felt like I was constantly just ignoring my intuition sometimes. <laughs> um, but that's great. So then, moving into your dating life, early dating years, how would you say? Like, were you date? Like, were you dating early on in your young adulthood? you know, did you feel like you maybe started late? And then like, like, how are you in relationships? What kind of partners were you attracting? All of that? Sure. Um, yeah, let me just take you on a journey. So that time period. Um, also, yeah, just starter note, because my parents were immigrants, there was like school, 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 like do well in school. 
So I was focused on school. I did music. That was like my big thing. So that's where I was putting all my focus and energy. But at the time, you know, especially as a teenager and, you know, I would, I would listen to Taylor Swift and I would want what she wanted in some of her romantic songs. I put a lot of pressure on myself to like attract someone to get into a relationship. So that could be my escapism, you know? And so when that didn't happen, I took that as a personal failing and then it affected other areas of my life. You know, I started dabbling in various, I'm sure you put like a TW out before these episodes, but like eating disorders for lack of a better word. Um, And I had great friends that like intervened at the time before it went too far, but yeah, I just definitely took it really harshly. So I didn't end up dating. I was basically like, well, that didn't work out. So it's never going to work out. And I also just felt so emotionally drained from what was going on at home that I couldn't even imagine like putting my energy elsewhere. Um, And that, and then through college, I went to a a large uh, university and far more guys than girls. And I'm approaching this conversation from like a a hetero relationship standpoint. Uh, Also just want to throw that out there. Um, And definitely more like hookup culture vibes, I would say. And again, I was like, determining what major I wanted to do. I was making friends. So like it wasn't, dating wasn't a path that I was actively seeking out. And then I moved to New York after that and I didn't have a job and I had this whole path laid out for myself. And like, I didn't even know where I would go to like meet someone to date. And yeah, I've just done a lot of work on myself and I did like a career transition going back to grad school. And I just feel like I'm at a place now where unless someone doesn't bring something to my life that's absolutely joyous and a very positive addition, I don't want it because I feel like I spent so much time having negative emotions that I don't want that anymore. And I feel like I've also learned a lot seeing what my friends have gone through with with relationships. So that's like my dating or I should say non-dating journey, honestly. (laughs) Um, But I don't know if that was like on track with the answer you're looking for, but I have downloaded and rage quit Bumble within 72 hours, like six times over the last three years. <laughs> I never last more than three days. Relatable, like, relatable. I just, <laughs> I mean, I see someone say something ridiculous and I just have to go off on them. And I'm like, is this a positive <laughs> use of my energy? You know, like the about me section mm. where men will be like, it's like, it's about you, right? And they'll be like, women should take care of themselves and women expect this. And I had a guy one time be like, uh, I think girlfriends are just broke daughters. And I was like, that's incestuous. That's there's so what? many problems with that. So just what? seeing that oh stuff, I can't just swipe left and leave it alone. I'll like swipe right, hope I match and then talk trash to them. <laughs> I'm like, really, what makes you think that? And I'm like, I just I just don't want to like fight with people. So then I have to delete it because I'm like, this is just not good for anyone involved. <laughs> the the superheroine of Bumble right here, everybody, just doing the doing the work that every feminist needs. Um, oh no, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple things. Thank you for sharing that. First of all, um, I think that there's there's you even though like you don't have maybe like the traditional kind of dating experience i think it, you, what you just shared was like great and important for everybody to listen to like cuz it's relatable like we're living in a different time where we're just, our society isn't really set up for us to be in a position of really l- like wanting love or looking for love or having the energy or the like 
um, attention span to like invest in a relationship. You know, I, I was, um, you know, I was very similar to you in that like it, it took me a while to even be open to dating relationship boys, you know, talking about all of that kind of stuff um, because my focus was on grades, was on like being successful, right? Like that's sort of what my parents were kind of pushing me towards. Um, but then there was that element of like pressure, a societal pressure. Um, I love what you shared about, you know, Taylor Swift, the romanticizing, <laughs> the over fantasizing, right, of what we think like true love is. Um, there is so much fucking unlearning that I have to do now because yeah. of that, like that upbringing or just, you know, I think a lot of it also was I grew up in a in a pretty, you know, abusive household for most of my early childhood. And I really leaned into, you know, books and movies to be that form of escape like you talked about. Right. And even though there was, you know, there's some benefits in that, like that it provided me some kind of safety and comfort and like, you know, just keep going getting kind of get through it in those, in those dark times it did then really if infect, you know, how I viewed relationships, the expectations that I had on myself going into one, the expectations I have of my partner. Um, it, it, it creates this sort of fantasy, this unrealistic, you know, vision of what love and dating and relationship should be. And then we go out into the world and we realize it's a fucking grind and we're mm -hmm. just like trying to survive. So that even, that seems like even more of a fantasy in a lot of ways yeah. to the point where you, you just you you you're depleted and then you go on these apps and <laughs> you just see the dark side of it it's like okay like i'm never i'm yeah i'm never gonna achieve that fuck love i'm done <laughs> like it's it's over so i i love that you i appreciate you sharing that and um yeah i'm i'm curious so you you were on on the on the apps um are there any other ways that you like pr like like try to date and meet people is it is it solely just on the apps you do in person okay before i answer that i'm going to say i'm i'm so sorry to hear about your early childhood that's like an issue that's really touched my heart and yeah you sh nobody should ever go through that and mm. oh my gosh you said something else that i was like nodding in agreement i was like i have to touch on this when she's done but i didn't want to interrupt yes no capacity. sorry <laughs> no don't apologize Do it. i love it i love it share away um just a two-way conversation um okay other ways oh yeah i was smiling because i was like i don't know who this is going to reach but so my older brother in high school was on the soccer team. And let me tell you, soccer boys, like all of them, I was like feral, you know, but I had to hide it. Yes. I was raised in a Catholic household and I'm never the physique, fact, obviously. Oh, <laughs> but like the physique of a soccer player is like, <laughs> yes, oh. amazing. Like, do I watch the World Cup because I care how our team does or <laughs> because looking at the boys, ooh, <laughs> looking at the boys. Um, but he has like a best friend and I've been obsessed with him since I was 17. Not anymore. Like I, he's engaged. And also like, I've done enough healing to where I'm like, okay, this was like all in my head. And he was so much more kind and polite than he needed to be. Like if a boy had done that to me, I would be like, oh my God, I said, no, stop. Okay. So basically I didn't really shoot my shot in terms of like asking him to date. But after I had gone through college and stuff and I was like invited to my first friend's wedding, I like randomly reached out. Keep in mind, we've never hung out. And I was like, hey, like I'm going to this wedding. Do you want to be my date? And he sent like a couple sentences being like, oh, your brother's my best friend. Like that would be a little weird. Side conversation for how older brothers are like massive cough blocks that it's to the point of being unfair. <laughs> but that's like another. I mean, even in college, it was like crazy. I couldn't even make eye contact with like people that he knew. I was like, what did he do to you? But anyway. 
So I was like, okay, took the hit. That was in 2019. And then my dad got married in 2020. And I asked him again. And I was like, you need to stop. So yeah, that's how I tried to shoot my shot with him. Um, I either feel like I don't or I do something like ridiculous that makes me like, feel like, was I having an out-of-body experience? Like <laughs> what happened there? Um, but that is probably like the funniest example I have because it was crazy. And if he ever listens to this, I just want to say I'm really sorry. <laughs> and that was out of pocket. <laughs> Inappropriate no, out I mean, of <laughs> I, You know, but like, I don't know. There's something about that also that is a little like it's endearing too. Like I, I would want someone that is consistent and persistent in some way or another. Right. And like also time changes people like folks who maybe, you know, you who said that they weren't interested in you at one point, like things change, feelings change. You start to see people in different light. Um, so you never know. And I think I, I was talking to somebody else on another episode, like, shoot your shot because it's better to just like, like information is power, right? <laughs> like at right. least I know, okay, right now they're not ready to have anything here and that's fine and I'll keep it moving. But if you feel like, oh, okay, well, it's been a little bit of time. Let me see where they're at. Like ask, put it out there, put your, put your heart on the line. Like you that's never know. I was thinking, and I will say I have a lot of experience with rejection and like not even specific to dating. So like, having rejection as a reason to not ask is just never on my radar. Like that's not even, I'm like the worst they'll say anybody in any situation is no, fuck you. You're the worst person I've ever met. And I never want to speak to you again. And as long as I can wrap my head around the fact that I would just be like, you know what, that's in your power. And if that's the energy you're feeling, I salute you. Congratulations. We never have to speak again. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel like but that can also result in being a little bit shameless, but I like your take on it. I like that it's endearing because that was my thought. I was like, well, like, what if he changed? Or like, what if he likes me now? But also it was like, it was my biggest high school crush. I feel like no matter what happens in your dating life, when you think about that person, you still get like butterflies. It's just kind of like, it's cute, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, you know, if you're somebody that, you know, leaned a lot into escapism, I, I just want to thank all my high school crushes for like really giving me that mental space where I could just like get out of the shit that I was like living in and just like be with you on a, you know, on a, on a beach together. And like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so thankful for even just that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, there's something else that you, you had said. I was going to like, anyway, well, uh, no, thank you for sharing that story. That's great. Um, so, in terms of you and your maybe like attachment style um, or even just like how you are in dates, can you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, I think you had said you're, you're a little bit more of the avoidant type. I think so. I actually had like briefly read about these attachment styles, but I didn't really think they really applied to me because I don't have to think about it in real time because I'm not in a relationship. But if I had to guess, I would probably say that just based on um, the current characteristics and what you go through growing up. Um, I would definitely describe myself as like hyper independent. And um, yeah, I feel like it depends on the issue. Like I'll definitely communicate. But I feel like if I say things like once, twice, like there's not gonna be a third time, I'll just ice you out. And <laughs> that's what you get. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that would like translate to a relationship obviously but I would say that type based on based on what I read yeah 
I, I think it's, I'm learning that it's important for everybody to know their attachment style because it, it goes beyond even just like dating and relationships. Like all of your relationships could be, um, you know, an extension of how you sort of were taught to cope with big emotions, right? Like if you found that um, trying to communicate, trying to reach out wasn't giving you the response that response that you needed and you found like you got more responses from just being avoidant, being distant, or you yep. felt better, you know, it wasn't even so much about like the reaction you get from other people. It's about like how you're dealing with that emotion, right? I know that if I push away or I put the walls up and just like do my own thing, um, I'm I'm the the pain sort of stops, right? Like yeah. I can just keep it moving and um not have to necessarily like get into a whole thing. Right. Um versus my style, I'm more anxious attachment style, right? Like I want to solve it. I want to figure it out. Like I want to like dig and dig and dig into this until like, you know, I get the the result that I want or I, you know, kind of have to crumble into the emotion of not getting what I want right mm -hmm. so it's just dependent like I think I think that did play out for me like in my even work relationships as well too like I would stick at jobs that were just awful and like didn't pay me well and like were you know disrespectful and toxic work environments all because of my anxious style just really wanting to be the best at the job like get my you know boss's approval of you know somebody who didn't give a shit about me right like and it, it's the same thing in my relationships staying in relationships where the men are emo emotionally unavailable they're not looking to love me and I'm just trying to make it work I'm just trying to figure it out so I think understanding that for yourself like it, it's been helpful for me to just like in all aspects of my life understand okay this is this is a you know, attached to my childhood trauma. This is attached to my, you know, attachment style. And how can I really challenge this? How can I really like work more towards a secure place? Is this like, you know, all of those questions that you can just kind of ask yourself to really understand like where it's coming from as opposed to just like reacting based off of, you know, this thing that you've always just known as, as like a comfort and, and safety. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's safety from those yeah. big emotions at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even safety in protecting yourself from further harm. So I feel like that's also where some of it plays out into extending other relationships. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really, it's so interesting how, how people cope differently. Like I have been through a fair amount of jobs. I've worked more than one job since I moved here in 2017. Uh, I've been like a nanny. Um, I've worked at a couple of PR agencies. Um, but I think the experience that like, catalyzed how I because I used to be like that in work environments like I wanted to be the best the brightest I wanted to get noticed by my boss but I was let go without any really detailed explanation after like three months at a company that I thought I was doing a pretty good job at um and I like cared about their their mission but once that happened I like took a cab back home and I was like crying the whole time like I literally hate crying in public so much that I couldn't even take the subway like I was like I'd rather die than cry in front of people so I had to get a taxi and then I went home and I just like cried some more and I was like wow, like it had like my biggest fear because I've always been such like an overachiever and like look to authority figures for how to feel because they were literally like, you're not good enough for this. I just feel like that changed something. And I was like, I never have to fit in a box at a job if they're not valuing who I am as a person, because I know I'm a good worker and honest and organized and easy to get along with. Um, 
So yeah, that definitely changed things. And I know in my intro, I said soon to be domestic violence advocate. So it took me like six months after I graduated to find a job that aligned with like the salary and what I was looking for. And it's like the most I've ever made. And I didn't have to like have another job with it. But I'm like two months in and I'm like, this job is like not working out. And like the description and the actual work, there's a discrepancy. And like, I just don't think it's going to be a place where I can like learn and grow. And I just ultimately don't feel fulfilled. So I like reached back out to um, a nonprofit that had offered me a job um, at like half the salary. But once I made that decision, I felt like free. Like instead of being like, oh, I'm going to stay here and like deal with these like negative emotions and like whatever I'm dealing with at work instead of doing work that I love. It just felt like a clearer option. And yeah, I know that was off topic from dating, but it's uh, I don't know. I hope that can be inspiring to some people, because I know, like, especially in this economy, like sticking to a job just because you're like the alternative is, is I don't know what you're seeing with these tech layoffs, like just after 15 years of work, just being told you can't come in one day. It's like you gave them all that time. And what did they give you in return? You know, like you always have to look out for yourself, like what brings you joy? What is fulfilling you? Like the money will always come like, you know. And I'm saying that as a person that like doesn't have any money. Like I went through my savings during COVID. Like I am feel like I'm kind of building from scratch, but um, I still feel better in that situation than maybe like sticking to what I was doing before. It's totally. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that because it it's it it's all aligned, right? Like this scarcity mindset that we have in work and in money, it can also apply in our relationships, right? Like the the heartbreak or the grief that you feel from losing a job out of nowhere can be the same that you feel in losing a relationship. Like the relationships where like they end in like a blind side where it's like you thought things were good. It was great. And then all of a sudden eh, they're done mm -hmm. like that. Oh, that pain, that heartache is was very similar to when I was fired from a job that I kind of I, I did kind of see it coming in, in a little way. But like it still felt like. I had put so much into this. I really invested. I was a team player, right? And mm -hmm. boom, I'm just kicked out of the door for little to no reason at all, right? Um, it's definitely the, you know, I've, I've experienced in both, you know, my, my dating relationships and my work life for sure. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And yes, please continue to have that abundant mindset about both things, right? Like the money will come, another job will come, another relationship will come. I will fall in love again, you know, like the better better things are coming from me down the line because I've I finished, I did this and I'm I'm now removing it from my life and making space for something even better to come. So exactly. Yeah, that's great. Um I want to talk a little bit about though your the, the soon to be domestic violence advocate. Um can you talk a little bit about how you got into that and what's what sort of motivated you there? Yeah, of course. Um, I started as a typical millennial does listening to podcasts. <laughs> when I was training for a marathon, it was my in like 2017. I started listening to this one specific to the FBI. And I just found the whole area of criminal justice so interesting. Um, anything from white collar crime to trafficking, um, to like gender violence. And so while I was working PR, that thought never really left my mind about going to that space. So that um, triggered the application and enrollment in graduate school. And while I was there, I got a policy fellowship. So I actually spent a year as a fellow with a nonprofit in the city that works with domestic violence survivors. Um, and I just really fell in love with the work they were doing. It wasn't directly 
applicable to me because I was working with lawyers. So I wasn't doing the legal aspects, but I was kind of on the ground with them and helping out with work and helping plan an annual conference uh, to bring together judges and attorneys and other practitioners to learn about bias in the family court system and how to better support clients. Um, and then that just inspired me to apply to advocate roles after grad school. And a lot of them are pretty difficult to come by because you either they don't require it, but a lot of them are like, oh, it's good to have a social services degree or have like two plus years directly with clients. And I do have a uh, previous experience with the probation office uh, working with in, uh, previously incarcerated individuals on reentry goals and life plans. Um, so I thought that would definitely be helpful in this aspect. But yeah, I applied to these advocate positions and I heard back from this one nonprofit and I they loved me. They said I interviewed really well. And even the manager, I connected with her last week and she was like, I'm so glad you called me back. Like, I think you're the best fit for the role. We've had dozens of other candidates, but the fact that it's still open, I think it means it's meant for you. And I mean, I interviewed for that, I think in like October. So I was really happy to hear that. And yeah, she was like, I can see you going a long way here. And I think at the base of why I want to do it, it's just, I'm very mission driven. I think I'm also like struggling in my current job because I, I don't feel like I'm directly making an impact. And that's like my number one goal. And who knows? I don't know if that's going to be through like doing this work or maybe making it big in a creative field and be able to like give a lot of money to causes I care about. Like who knows? But it definitely feels really good. And it just feels like it sits in my soul, like what I'm supposed to be doing. So that is what brought me to there. And I feel like every question you've asked me, I've literally rambled. So <laughs> no, I feel like I started all, like the I'm... very beginning. <laughs> I'm like, let me take it back. <laughs> no, I'm on my edge of the seat for everything. I'm loving it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Congratulations. And, you know, please, I'm, I'm looking forward to like following you and keeping updated on like how that's going. Oh, um, I, I love that, you know, you're doing you're heading towards something that just like fills fulfilling, fulfilling um, and more true to that that mission. I can definitely just even just talking to you in this like one little conversation, like, yeah, you, you've got things to do. And <laughs> you're the type of person who's like gonna get it done. So um, yes, <laughs> having, yeah, having work that like, you know, allows you to do that is just great. So congrats. Thank you Thank so you. much. Um, what has been your, if anything, greatest lesson or greatest gift from love? Okay, I'll start with the hard one, because everybody likes to end a question on a positive note. Um, I did have a breakup of sorts. I had a really good friend in college, we roomed together for three years. Um, all my friends who are my closest friends now are from high school um, and college. So I just like assumed that all of my college friends would be like with me for life and her definitely. Um, but we had a situation unfold and I had explained myself and asked for what I needed before the fallout. And then we fell out. And that is right after I moved to New York alone out of all my friend group. Um, everybody else is still in North Carolina. Well, for the most part, for that specific friend group. Um, so I felt really alone and isolated, like nobody else was reaching out. And I just in my head was making up these stories that she was like telling everybody her side of the story and like everybody hated me now. And I mean, I tried to schedule phone calls. I wrote like a letter in her favorite color, which another friend found open in her drawer actually when she visited and she had never responded. So that kind of like sealed to me that like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm past trying to and determine guess 
what the rationale was there, but that was just really telling to me because I was trying so hard and she couldn't be bothered. So it feels like she'd already let me go. And like, I know that now, but at the time it just felt so crushing because it was my first friend breakup. And I mean, I was so depressed. I slept on a beanbag for six weeks. I binged Game of Thrones in like two weeks and I didn't have a job. So in the meantime, I'm walking down Park Ave to these PR agencies trying to go up with my resume. And they're like, you can't do that if you don't have an appointment. And I was like, oh, <laughs> didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely had to get my shit together once I was living with uh, three random guys. And one of them like looked in my room one day and he's like, you really need to get a bed. And I was like, damn, like if you're, your bed's on the floor and you're saying that, like I need to get it together. So <laughs> it... <laughs> was definitely a learning experience because I didn't get any closure and that was like I felt it in my chest you know like I really cared for this person a lot so it took me probably a solid two years before I got to a place where I could think about her without being like oh or like fuck that bitch <laughs> um definitely am healed from it now like I I hope she's doing well like I generally don't have any bad feelings I don't know what was going on I don't know I don't know what happened but like clearly we weren't meant to work out so like it is what it is so that was probably the hardest lesson, just that like not everyone you love is going to be with you forever, which I knew in a sense because people die, but I just never again dealt with that type of like grief in a sense. So it was just shocking and the timing couldn't have been worse, but I think it definitely made me stronger. Um, wow. And then I before say, you, before oh, yeah. you share that, yeah, I wanted to just say like that, oh, friend breakups are like <laughs> so hard they're they're just as bad as like your deepest like romantic you know breakup because like obviously i i would want to be in a relationship with like my best friend right like the guy version of my best friend but like even even you know female to female or or same sex friendships that end ah it's like it's it's like losing a sibling almost or something you know like it's it's there's something there that like i think i want to do more um, kind of work around of just like really appreciating and understanding, you know, how my female friendships are. Um, because I think that was something that, you know, just held me up a lot in a, in a lot of facets. Um, not having that support or just not having that, like that kinship and that connection or that person that just like really understands who you are, um, you know, without like the sexual aspect to it just like mm -hmm. someone that you vibe with and that you gel with and like you know it's, it's, it's like a sibling to you um not having that or suddenly having that taken from you because of miscommunication or whatever conflict and sometimes you're right like you said people change time goes on and people you know suddenly realize like okay this isn't for me anymore um it sucks it's still it's still hard and it still deserves the same like healing time and grieving time as like a romantic relationship would too, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, that is a, that is a very valuable lesson. Like not everybody is going to be in your life for the rest of your life. You know, your circle changes and moves and grows and shrinks and all kinds of things. Um, so really just valuing who you have in your life and who, and, and seeing and understanding like, okay, time to move on. Right. Like, this this has come to this has run its course it's come to an end sucks but we got to keep it moving yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, um and so your greatest gift now on a more okay <laughs> um i guess i can start on that point like i definitely feel very blessed in that i have really strong like decades old female friendships in my like closest 
circle. So yeah, my, my best friend who currently lives in the city um, is another one from college. Um, and I just feel like I can be my full authentic self with all of them. And I think that's a huge part of like truly being in love. Like you're not hiding yourself. And <laughs> I mean, being in love or like having loving relationships with like in platonic friendships. And um, I love what you said about um, looking into your female friendships, because it's really important for us to emphasize the non-romantic love we have. And I think that also helps if you go through a hard time romantically, you have these family relationships that are strong. You have these friendships that are strong. Like that one person isn't your whole world. And I think it's healthy to have that balance, right? So you're not like relying on that one thing for your happiness, for your joy, for your fulfillment. Um, so that is definitely something that I, that I don't take for granted. Um, and I do think about that sometimes and I'm like, damn, am I like such a weirdo for never dating anyone? I'm like, I also feel very lucky in my friendship. So it's like, yeah. if we were all the same, life wouldn't be so unique. You know, if we all had high school boyfriends, if we all had the same dating path, like what fun would that be? So that's also something I definitely tell myself. Um, the second part is my little sister is the best thing that ever happened to me. Um <laughs> She is wonderful. I, oh my God, I get like emotional talking. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn, so I'm not allowed to cry in front of other people. So <laughs> we just. <laughs> it's okay, Capricorn. Oh, the last guy I dated was a Capricorn. He was the same way. Let it oh, out, no. Capricorns. Let it out. Oh no. Okay, well. But also I found that that's like a sign that I feel definitely safe with someone if I can be like emotional. So this is, um, she's going to troll me so hard if she ever hears a podcast. It's okay. Cause we're soulmates now. We can be emotional together. And, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, she, I literally used to like, actually, again, I was raised Catholic. So I used to pray that I'd get a little sister cause I'm wedged between two brothers. I'd get relentlessly bullied, like physically assaulted at random, you know? So I'd like go to my stop off to my room and be like, why are they so mean to me? And like, just hold one of my little dolls and be like, I wish she was real. And she's nine years younger than me, six years younger than my younger brother. So I never actually thought it was going to happen. And I just remember when my mom uh, told us that we were having a baby sister, I literally did a cartwheel and like screamed. Like <laughs> um, that was my like honest reaction. And like, as soon as she was born, I was like, yeah, like she, she is mine. Like I'm going to do everything I can to like protect her be the best big sister ever like I only want to be a loving presence and I'm so proud of her she's a freshman this year at UNC but she is like the greatest joy in my life for sure um <laughs> like my heart could explode That's when amazing. I think about her you know like I love her my so heart much is literally <laughs> exploding right now um like so I love my brother I love him to death and I do have a a half sibling on um, a half sister on my dad's side, but we, you know, we didn't really grow up together, but not, I don't know. <sighs> that was, I think if, if I, if I had a go again at life, I would want a, a sister, you know, I would, I would want to have that experience. Um, again, love my brother to death. Love that he was there for me, but yeah, that sister to sister bond. Oh, it, 
like if you if you have the opportunity to really grow up with that and and I'm sure everybody has their own dynamics with siblings but if you have the opportunity to really grow up with that like yes cherish those siblings um and now as like as an adult I'm I'm so thankful and grateful for the women in my life who you know were like sisters to me, right? Like e- even like um, like aunts and cousins and everything who were just like, you know, there for me and supportive. Um, all of my female friends now, like if you're listening, love you guys, you're like, a, you know, sisters to me. Um, yeah. Just like you said, really being able to have like that, that connection or that bond um, throughout it all. Like it makes a big difference in, in any circumstance that you're going through, but especially in dating and relationships, it can feel sometimes like so isolating that like you know you you must be the crazy woman the craziest woman on earth that like you know you can't get a date or you can't get a guy to stick around like sometimes that narrative sort of gets stuck in us and having your sisterhood behind you to say no girl you are a queen and Beyonce says you're flawless and like (laughs) right like all of those cheerleader voices um and it, it applies to guys too so I have plenty of guy friends who are like brothers to me who just like hype me up and stuff too but yeah that like that bond and connection that you can just have with you know one or two other people but especially if, if you have that one person like your, your sibling or you know best friend or whoever keep them close keep them tight celebrate and cherish them and yeah let's make let's let's make enough of a support around us that we when we go into dating we don't have to make everything about that one person so yeah i definitely agree with that definitely um, yeah i think it's so beautiful sorry i don't know yeah. No, no, no. I'm like you. nodding my hat my green to everything you're saying. I'm like, yes, Beyonce is the only God I answer to, the only leader I take direction from. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, sisterhood is so important. Um, as you said, like, yeah, having having support from your your guy friends is too, but there's just something about like women to women, you know? It's just it's just mm. special, it's different. And yeah. Yeah. I agree. I totally Absolutely. Agree. Well, thank you. Thank you so much um, for speaking with me today. Anything else you want to share? Like, where can people find you? You know, how can we keep up with your journey? Um, Sure, I will. But can I tell one more quick story? Yes. Okay. I'm actually, okay, a little proud of this one. But like the third part of the lesson of love is I, when I visited my dad after he and my mom officially separated, his place was like, I mean, like hetero dude, like white walls, like no decoration, like no pictures of us anywhere. And I was like, I was so sad and upset. And I like went home and cried. And I was like, I'm very solutions oriented. I always have been. So I was like, I'm going to fix this. So the next time I went back, I was like, can I have your laptop? And I opened it and I went to match.com and I made him an account. He was just standing there like laughing. He was like, what are you doing? I was like asking him questions. And I was like, like not breaking face. I was like, what's your answer? What's your answer? (laughs) Typing, what's your answer? and made him an account and he actually met my now stepmom on there and she also has two kids a daughter my age and then a son who's a little younger and they're both amazing but they actually got married in 2020 and I just feel like even though I wasn't focused on like love for myself I identified it as something that somebody in my life that I love might be needing and I went for it but joke's on me because I finally found the courage to tell my dad last year, like my true motivation. I was like, you know, I made you that account because I was like in tears. Like I thought you were so lonely. And he was like, that is the first time I had peace and quiet in years. He was like, I was not lonely. He was like, that was a bachelor pad. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you're welcome then. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But 
Wow, that's yeah. great. That's beautiful. I love that you um you gifted you know your father with that, and uh, I I yeah. I hope we all are able to like experience those moments, and I'm glad that they were able to find love on the internet uh, yeah. right in before a pandemic. Like, if you think you can't find love, like, look at her dad. <laughs> like, like, that's that's a beautiful story of, of just like, yeah, it inspires hope and just warm hearted and lovely. So, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, where to find me? Well, okay, I guess my creative side instagram is just my first name roshin creative all is one word um i have a smattering of creative endeavors on there i never really know what to put so sometimes i'll delete and add things as i see fit but um and then my personal one is roshin b and the number one um i feel like those are the main sources so funny i feel like back in the day people would be like friend me on facebook and like please don't please don't look for me on facebook i don't want to relive that era I'm literally on there to like Never on to there. like my aunts who are a little older who like don't have WhatsApp. Like that is the only demographic. So if I get any friend Same. requests, I will be ignoring. <laughs> but yeah, I think, <laughs> I think those are the main. Um, awesome. And yeah. you you have a show coming up, right? Anything else creative endeavors on the horizon? Um, a couple. I just don't know when they're like. I don't have the show details or theater for that yet. I just know it's going to be in the spring. And then this month I'm working on like a short film upstate and like a dance project this or next month with like an independent filmmaker. Um, and yeah, just, just keeping those channels open. I feel like since COVID I've been like in a fuck it mindset, like fuck it, why not? So I'm just trying new things and seeing what sticks. So I will definitely let you know if anything else pans out. Love it. We're rooting for you. Like she is working. She's staying booked. So it's good. Keep it going. Um, follow Roisin, everybody. would love to keep up with your story. Maybe we'll have you back on to just kind of get like an update on life. And um, thank you as always for listening and supporting the podcast. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you for having me. I loved our conversation. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Healing Through Love. As always, if you have any comments or questions about today's talk, feel free to reach out on social media at solidarity underscore media, or you can head to solidaritymediaproductions.com to learn more and continue the conversation. If you head to the show notes of this episode, you'll find links on how to get in contact with today's guest. Also, there is a link for you to be a supporter of the podcast by becoming a monthly donor. Any amount helps in expanding the reach and growth of the podcast, so Thank you so much for your continued support. If you are listening to this episode on Spotify, we have some fun polls and questions at the bottom of each episode that you can also submit answers to. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye.